0: The Immaterial Gamers Podcast, There, no more distractions. Except I'm seeing a barbecue out the window.
1: What, are you having a barbecue outside the window?
0: No, someone else is having a barbecue, they didn't invite us.
1: They are bastards.
0: They are, however, adhering to social distancing rules. It is just a family barbecue. They all live in the same house, it's all good, we're all following rules. Speaking of following rules, let's break them. This is the Immaterial Gamers Podcast. Hello, everyone.
1: Hello, Ryan.
0: Hi, yes. My name is Ryan, and that voice you're hearing there is Darius. And it's just us two.
1: Hello, everyone. How are you? Yeah. I hope not too bored with another, how much? Two, three weeks
0: of quarantine? Another another, another three weeks minimum.
1: Yeah, another three weeks minimum. Sounds good.
0: Honestly, I was expecting an email from my work just to come in, and just like, you know, we'll, we'll look at starting a phased reopening. No, they didn't. Good on them they emailed me within 20 minutes of them announcing that they were extending the lockdown by saying, we're going to follow the government advice. We'll see you on May the... What is it? May the 11th, something like that? <laughs> the first... The, yeah. First Monday after, provided they don't extend it further. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm right. Well, I'm... It,
1: to be honest, it doesn't change much for me because I still have to go to work. I still have to work. Yeah. Uh, I have to. I have to still using the public transport. You've got yourself uh, the, uh, the
0: gloves and the mask.
1: Yeah, I do have the mask. Uh, gloves. Uh, I do only kind of tend to wear them traveling to work, not from work, because it's too hot.
0: Mm, yeah, that's that's the thing, isn't it? As well, it's warm. It's nice it and is. warm, apart from like
1: warm. finally. Well, finally, um, it would be better if we could go out. Actually,
0: it would be nice it would. But, um, yeah. Now, I I was looking and double-checking on my furlough agreement, and, you know, as a furloughed employee, I'm not allowed to work anywhere else for pay, and I'm thinking, oh, will this affect immaterial gamers? No, because we're not a business and we're not getting paid yet.
1: So, until that time...
0: Work on it like it's the only to... thing I can yes. work on. But to be honest, it's the only thing keeping me bloody sane.
1: <laughs>
0: so, you know, that's that's just how that's going to work. But, what have we got today? What have we got this week? Well, we've got games that we've been playing, but me and Darius have got a nice little discussion because we've both been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake and we've both been slightly spoiled.
1: Is it remake or remade?
0: It's remake. Um whether I said it wrong or right the first time, doesn't matter, I've corrected myself. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, so we've got some talk about that and you know a little question that we're gonna ask and probably answer. Um, has there been any real big news this week? News
1: time. To be honest, I have not followed any. Yeah, no, um, no. Apart, idea. apart that the um, Microsoft is want to release a new, new edition, I would say, or new color scheme of their Xbox, the current Xbox, why uh, the, themed as Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: I see that. Yeah, so it's going to be like cobalt blue and not cobalt blue, more blue steel. And mm, it's kind of
1: like it's light, well, it's illuminating color in the dark. Yeah. So I would say that's quite neat feature to, you know, to have the console like glow in the dark. Yeah. Actually, you know what? And I know, like the
0: look of the little pad that comes with it as well. So that half steel, half black. Mm. And the red buttons, though, you know, part of what I consider about a decent Xbox pad is that not only do you have the letters which make, you know, what button to push, but they're also colour-coded. For those that do look down the pads like that, and muscle memory isn't just an inherent gift, because that's what I sort of appreciate. It's like I appreciate in, like, games with quick-time events. The odd game where the quick-time button prompt is on the side of the screen that would... Relate to the button that you would push to do it. So you know, if if it gives you a prompt for Y, which you know on an Xbox controller is the top button, the button prompt would come from the top. Simple games design, but you know, very effective. So yeah, so you got the 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 cyberpunk.
1: I still I still don't remember the positions of the keys on Xbox controller. Oh. No, it... I, I do because I keep using even now if I'm pl- if I'm playing on something on PC and I want to use the part, I'm still mm-hmm. using PlayStation four parts. Yeah. So yeah. for me for me where the things are the, the buttons, Y, X, A or B, that's always the like, what the hell is this? Yeah, true.
0: I think of it this way, at least it wasn't the original Xbox controller. You know, A B, X, Y, and black and white. So glad they removed them going forward. It was, it was like, oh, we'll try and do a Nintendo thing and just make all the buttons. But at least Nintendo had a design that, while odd, functioned. Mm. Anyway, that's just old man uh, gaming complaints. So was the other one? I love Streets of Rage. That's a, a statement, but it also does lead to a little bit of news. Finally, after after years... There is now a release date for... Wasn't it, wasn't it like an
1: old, old arcade game?
0: Um, It was never actually an arcade game. Well, it was an arcade beat 'em up style game. Yeah. For the Mega Drive, or for the Genesis for the Americans listening.
1: All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we, yeah, we're talking about the same thing then. Yeah. It you wasn't know. like, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, ex-cops going through to take on a corrupt regime that had bought out all the cops. Hmm. And then, you know, that was a normal, decent story. And then it went to robots and bombs and, you know, replacing the mayor with a clone and things went a little bit weird. But no, they have now brought out, or they've now brought out the release date for the long awaited Streets of Rage 4. Ryan has got that on his wish lists. He will be getting that because, my God, Streets of Rage games are fun. Yeah.
1: Well, I, to, to be honest, I never was a big fan of playing those ki- those kinds of games. Uh, not sure why. You just don't.
0: Oh, it, had the, it had the best subversive... That's that's a word we're going to be using a lot today. Um, game mechanic <laughs> in that you'd get to the final boss and he would ask you and your second player, if you were both playing at the same time, if you would become his right-hand man. If you both rejected it, you would fight him. It would just be the final boss. If one of you accepted and the other didn't, you would fight to the death between each other. And then depending on the survivor, you would either then take on the final boss or you'd do the other option, which is if you both said you would become his right-hand man, you'd fall down a trapdoor and have to repeat the three levels leading up to him again. (laughs) Before then taking him on. And uh, yeah, it also had the other mechanic, a bit like golden axe and stuff, that you could accidentally whack your partner. Because it's just basically any any collision detection between each other would cause injuries. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're good, and I'm liking the new, the, the sort of, like, cell-shady cartoony style of them, because it was all pixel art last time with, with Streets of Rage. And, you know, they look to seem to have the same, the well, same that's bugs.
1: that's kind of strange thing, isn't it? Uh, the pixel art was, back in the day, that's or what we had, and right now people are making the game look like they are pixelated, yeah, because because I mean, I
0: mean, What's the biggest one? That's probably the, the the biggest sort of idea of retro gaming is uh, shovel Knight, right? In terms in terms of that, it's like all oh, right, let's make this sort of classic platformer, Mega Man style, but you know we're just gonna have like chip tunes and retro graphics, but your hero is going to be a guy who. Dig stuff with a shovel. That's that's the new bit. So, you know, but with that in mind, since that's all the news that's ever going to be.
1: Well, I do have one-ish kind of more. Okay, go for it. Uh, it's you. You did have the pleasure to play with me. I think once uh, the Nemesis yes. board game. Yes.
0: Yes, it was in a retro okay. art cafe in the northern quarter of manchester
1: yes yes um uh, so um they're planning on releasing a new add-on for it a standalone kind of game okay Um which will be called oh bloody hell kill me i forgot now that's a weird name <laughs> no it's not that name. um lockdown okay yeah, they, they were using a Nemesis lockdown, which will be themat- thematically you're going to be locked down in a sp- in a base somewhere in space. This is a little bit prophetic, isn't it? Hmm. A little bit maybe. But anyway, um I would be I, I wanted to say that if the okay the premises is quite alright, but still we've got this the whole Nemesis game mm-hmm. in it. But I'm thinking of like instead of doing a full blast for a standalone game, they could have done just use whatever we have already, add some extras, new map, and that's it. You don't need to bring any more new things for it. Mm -hmm. Just instead of having the spaceship, you just have a base somewhere on Mars. Fair enough. With a completely different layout. And I, I would say that would be a... Big win, yeah. Where right now, if I'm gonna get eighty percent the same game, I'm definitely I'm I'm not think I would be buying it. Mm. That might be a first game from this studio which I'm definitely not gonna buy if the gameplay stays the same. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. So that was one of the news from Board Games World, which I'm kind of like
0: following. Fair dues. Fair dues. So, that has been the news that we've managed to scramble together and uh, we move on to what's been played. What's been played?
1: Da da da! So. So. I'll go on, you know what? What, I'll, wh- I'll go what have you been... <laughs> what have you been playing, Orion?
0: Well, thank you, Darius. Um, I've decided to do a change from my usual sort of stuff. You know, I'm a big roguelike person, big RPG person platformer, racers. Yeah. I also even occasionally play WWE games, even though that's a foolish notion. Um, this week I've decided to play what would be called a walking simulator. A game um... with sort of limiting you know sort of limited movement, heavy, heavy focus on narrative and you know minimal puzzle solving and exploration mechanics required. This week the game is called Tacoma. That's says uh, Tacoma, named like somewhere in Washington State. No? Seattle, mm. Tacoma, Seattle, somewhere.
1: Um Somewhere in the world, yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's one of those space station exploration games. Very short. They it's um being advised of it being two to five hours long. I think I did complete it in just over two hours. And a lot of that is watching sort of the conversations. Um it's developed by a studio called Fulbright, who made Gone Home, which is probably, okay, the, yeah, probably the progenitor of walking sims. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean the, the thing is, Walking Simulator is, you know, it can be considered derogatory for that sort of game style. It's where people, it's, you know, stuff like Gone Home was the one where people questioned, is this really a game or is it art disguised as a game? No, it's a game. There is, you know, there are success and failure states, a little bit. One that I remember recently is, you know, I'm a fan of the the group Loading Ready Run, and um, one of the very first episodes of a stream that they called Talking Simulator um, said, oh, people say games don't have failure states. Well, have a look at this. And it was like the literal first part of Gone Home, I think it was, or not Gone Home. There was one of them. It was basically they were on a dock, and they just turned around and walked into the ocean. You get a game over if that happens. There's your failure state. Um, in this, failure states would be not unlocking a secure locker. But uh, yeah, you play as Amy Ferrier, a spaceship pilot working for the Venturi Corporation, who's tasked with to going uh, tasked with going on an abandoned space station, picking up an AI and bringing it back to them. It's not as simple as that. Because all the crew was apparently evacuated or died or went into a hypersleep. Uh, hyper Who knows? So that's what you investigate. Uh, you go onto the ship, you speak to the AI called Odin. Very charming little AI. And initially you go through the, the thing thinking that it basically that Odin pulled a 2001 a Space Odyssey moment and just killed all the crew. No, actually. It's actually quite um, different for that. So the way the way you do it is you just walk through the station, usual stuff, you open doors, you you know, you can pick up objects, you can inspect them. Some of them have key codes to unlock little bits and to move on through the game. But the main part of it is that it does AR recordings of all the members of the crew on board the station. And it does it in a way that you enter a room. The system finds that there was some sort of recording that you're allowed to do because you've been given sort of sufficient clearance to view these logs. And you can watch the characters or sort of AR stick figure representations of them walking around the space station, talking, discussing stuff going on, um, of this sort of eight month period leading up to you getting onto this space station. I mean, eight months are where some of the older scenes happen, but a lot of the things of what went wrong on this space station happen three days before you get there. And the game's been out for two years. I'm gonna spoil it a little bit because it was an interesting story. It's classic Wayland Utani bollocks. The corporation wants to get big and wants to build a big, you know, vacation orbital vacation system around Earth, using the belt, the asteroid belt as its function. But there is, you know, politics getting in the way, you know, something. As something always. So- yeah something small about keeping the keep you know keeping the lives of humans above all else you know sacred so they engineer a situation in which they tell the ai to steer itself into the asteroid belt cause an issue and to dump all the oxygen to make sure all the crew die and odin follows that as you go through the story like i said spoilers odin goes through with it but odin does that sort of AI rampancy that you don't expect in a video game. Usually, you know, when an AI gains self-awareness, it becomes evil and wants to eliminate you all.
1: Most of the times, at least. Yeah,
0: yeah. this AI, above all else, protects every single member of the crew. And so, even though it's bound by corporate bollocks, it's like, oh, I can't tell you how to get through a secure part of the space station so you can... Send an SOS signal to another company, because this company is going to leave you for dead. Um, I can show you how to get there, but I can just honestly say, you are not allowed to do it. There's not much I can do about it. What can I do? I'm just an AI. So yeah, you go through. It turns out, yeah, the company had brought... (laughs) The company had issued a statement regarding the deaths of all the crew three days before the crew even got hit with the asteroid. And uh, yeah, you pull out the AI, and you're about to send the AI back to the corporation. You plug it in, and it turns out you're part of an AI liberation front the entire time. Mm. Now, story-wise, it was actually it was nice. It was different. I was expecting the sort of narrative of this: of oh look, I'm on a haunted space station. The AI is going to kill me, and we're going to find out why the AI is a big evil, super evil dude. <laughs> So to 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 have the to have the change of narrative to be that yes it followed orders but then had a backup plan to make sure that everyone was going to live and then you know decided to go shove it to the corporation that created it is a twist on narrative that I actually liked I liked a story with a happy ending for God's sake oh That's yeah. A- so, yeah, there's I mean, there's nothing more to do. I mean, the, the, the interesting bit, going back to the sort of video recordings, is that once you enter a room where there is a VR or an AR recording, you can rewind it and fast-forward it to your heart's content. And because it usually happens in such a big room of the space station, a lot of the six characters are in different places, all having conversations at the same time. So you have that ability to look at the same audio recording from a different point of view each time and you sort of unlock more about the motivations of each of the characters and why they're out there sort of in the first place. So you know a nice little mechanic from that. Other than that, like it is, it's a it's an audio, um, it's a walking simulator. You go in there to sort of learn about the world around you and learn the narrative. You don't I'm do so much funny. more
1: mm. Yeah, you're just like walking from point A to point B, maybe click something here, click something there. So you're mainly yeah. playing for the story, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So, But then again, like I say, if narrative is your thing, you can do a lot worse than Tacoma. It's a good narrative on that sort of idea. So uh, yeah, I'd give it the Ryan one thumb recommendation. That's the one thumb out of one thumb, and it's an upwards one. It's not like what I heard on, apparently, had happened a couple of weeks back, a woman had Asked a council whether there was a, a bin collection day as normal. The council responded on Twitter with yes, and she gave him the middle finger, emoji. <laughs> apparently, she, apparently she did it on accident because she didn't have her glasses on. Oh. Um. So you know, honest mistake. But yeah, that was that. So Darius, what game have you played this week that you'd like to talk about?
1: Um. This weekend, I was playing Final Fantasy VII. You've the also remake. Been playing the remake. The remake. Yes, I was debating it for some time to either should I buy it or not, mm-hmm. and I finished two weeks ago, I think, God of War, and I just needed a game which will keep me engaged in some sort of like good narrative as well. So I was debating to buy either Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy Fifteen.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Hmm. And I chose seven because I kind I kind of played already the uh, Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah. I not finished it. Uh, I've played like first few chapters. But
0: I would have to uh... say, some of the immaterial gamers, Duncan specifically, would probably be happy with the fact that you didn't choose Final Fantasy fifteen. He's he's mm. not play he's not played seven remake, as far as I'm aware. But his experiences with Final Fantasy 15 started well and then went downhill. Right. A bit like the narrative for the game, to be honest. But oh,
1: I think it's too much of a grinding that game. That's what I found out after playing few few chapters. Because I wanted to play it on PC. I did. I did had it on on PlayStation back in the day. Yeah. Um, I borrowed it from a friend, and I yeah. didn't. I, yeah, for me it was too much grindy. And mm. now I just wanted to pick it up on PC, just because. Well, why not? Um, but yeah, I chose. I have chosen to play Final Fantasy VII Remake, and so far that's a good decision.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I talked about it last week. You, pro- you know, you're talking about it this week. I'm liking. Mm. I don't know. I mean, how do you feel on the sort of changes that they made? Well, I mean, did you many... Did you ever play Final Fantasy VII?
1: I was going to ask you, have you played the original one? Because I've played it, like, I tried to play it three times. However, just once I've completed it. Mm. I so I don't have any much of a memory of what's, what was going on. Um, I mean, I still do remember the major things, like who Sephiroth is, what, who Genova is. Yeah. Etc. The,
0: the whole midgar thing, the sector seven yeah. incident, and all that. Um,
1: On, yes, exactly. So all of this, I do know about it. Uh, however, as like specific in details um, mm-hmm. stories, about who is who, what they do, in, etc. No, I have not. Don't remember that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole the whole avalanche thing is is new to a lot of people. Given that one of the big things that Square Enix did in this was flesh out the characters of Avalanche. You learn a damn sight more about Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge than you would ever normally think that you would. Hmm. Um, especially sort of with with what you know, you, since you're at the stage, we've discussed this prior to the podcast, you're taking Aerith back to Yes. Are you taking sector it back seven? To, are you taking it back to Sector Seven or were you taking it back to uh, her sector one seven. sector five?
1: Sector seven?
0: Ah, you actually are a little bit further than me. Um, from
1: yeah i'll finish the... i finish all the sides side mission in sector five yeah um you had that rude boss fight
0: which you know I kind of liked
1: yeah I, I liked it um I, uh, to be honest I more liked the um fighting Reno Reno was a Go, good Reno. boss fight yeah of that of... was a good one I really enjoyed it
0: that was basically a are you playing this game properly check. Fight, it was like, Do you know how to guard and parry? If you don't, you're gonna have either a tough time or you're gonna die a lot.
1: Hmm. Um,
0: it was, it was just because of like how Reno's abilities were. Is basically he would dodge everything that he had, but if you blocked one of his attacks, he'd stagger. Simple as,
1: yeah. So I, I really liked it because it was one on one, basically. Yeah, the, the second one uh, with Rubrute wasn't one on one, that was two two on one. Yeah. And well, um, I, I did feel a little bit overpowered yeah. fighting him.
0: I mean, we're still going to be on, you know, this whole spoiler things. I mean, the big question is going to be leading to heavy spoilers. But how did you like the fight against Rush?
1: Who the you, hell is Rush?
0: The weird motorcyclist guy.
1: Is oh, you know, that, that the, guy.
0: Yeah, the chapter where you're stealing from.
1: Yeah.
0: I Jesse's I've, dying dad.
1: Yeah. Was this. Guy present in the original game
0: he was not exactly was the That's original was um so they basically messed around with sort of the chronology of stuff on there so the the whole motorbike defence bit would normally have been at the end of the midgar section um, but it was being brought forward for this sort of like added chapter where you you know you go and get a you know a bit more knowledge about biggs Jesse and wedge. You know, mm-hmm. and Wedge burns his ass not from blowing up the wall to get out of Mako reactor number one, but he burns it because he gets shot in the ass. Um, he,
1: he took one for the team.
0: He did take one for the team. It <laughs> reminds me of Team Four Star, actually, and them doing Final Fantasy Seven Machine Abridged, and there's a, the the bit that they use to characterise Wedge is when they bust open the wall from Mako reactor number one, and Wedge is running around and he's going, "My ass is on fire. Pooping will forever be a chore." Um, it just felt like that. And it, it, to be honest, it feels like I don't know who's inspired who here, but a lot of the characters in you know in in Seven Remake feel characterised from Machine Abridged. Maybe that's just me. Like Barrett is basically just Mr. T. Um, Well, I
1: do really like. Well, I really like the fact that in the when you finish the battle, there is no fanfare. There is there is no that kind of sound. I know what you're going to talk about. And and there is a specific. I'm not sure. Maybe one. Maybe more. than one fight. Uh, When you finish the fight, and Barrett is going bump, bara, bump. Yeah, but he's on the train. At one point, yeah.
0: he's like, We should have we should have some sort of theme song. And Cloud <laughs> looks at him like, Are you for real? And then Barry just turns around and goes, Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's like Jesus.
1: Uh oh. and, and also there you know, there was the, the conversation between uh the, that they have, they should have some like victory Pose or something. Yes. And Cloud did the same thing. Nope, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, he just he just turned around and went, veto <laughs> So yeah, this is some, some like small things which uh, the creators gave us back, not giving them to us. Mm. If you know yeah. what I mean. So in the original, yes, we had those things, but in the remake, we don't have them, and they're making our really nice jokes about it.
0: Yeah, it's just it's weird. It's like the more I play it, the more I understand like how this is now more of a sort of a passion project and how. Um, the creators of this remake didn't want to just do Final Fantasy VII, but 3D and bigger.
1: Yes. They, oh, there's yeah. there's shit loads of more things to do. Yeah. Um. You
0: know, between the side quests, the whole thing of weapon levels to increase stuff—that's what I like as well. Tiniest little touches. You probably will have seen this. You know, just like the materia slots in the weapons and the gear. That they have, and that they, the the material that you slot into the first slots that you get, not the additional ones that you get by leveling up, match the material that you've slotted in. So I've got like I've got cloud with a you know an elemental material and the no basically a green elemental materia, lightning wind ice, it doesn't matter, and the elemental blue material. And linked them together, and I've got him on the Buster Sword. So he's running around. He's got the Buster Sword, and right at the top, near the hilt, there is just a little blue and green dot on the top. It's just like, right, I know what material I've got linked in here because I can fucking see it. Yeah, it's like Tifa's got him on like sort of the the gauntlets that she's got. Gauntlet, think, yeah. Bar- Barrett has him in the top of the gun, um, Eris, which they now call Eris, not Eris. <laughs> um. It, uh, hers I can't see because she doesn't walk around with her stick, her rod much. But you know, just the just the fact that they've got them all in there is is nice. So you're enjoying it then? I'm gonna
1: Oh yes, I do enjoy it. Uh it's not it's not like grinding game, definitely not. Uh No, I think I was I was responding to someone on Twitter who was just
0: asking what what video games are you all playing over the weekend? And I said Final Fantasy a uh, pace that allows me to appreciate it. As well as like cause it's I mean, I think sort of the game sort of leads you down tracks in order to do stuff sort of not too dissimilar from Final Fantasy Thirteen, and we know there's been problems with the linearity of that game. But, you know, it leads at a pace that allows you to just sort of appreciate everything that's being done.
1: Yeah. So far, I did not hit um, that spot where, okay, this is the time when I need to go back, try to level up, and come back here. mm so far, it's all nice and simple. Uh,
0: which is which is another little thing on that. It's just a small touch, but if you are getting your ass absolutely handed to you in a fight, and you can It's restart, probably
1: you have a wrong weapons, material equipped, and your skills are bad.
0: Yeah, as I opposed, to, then as then opposed of... to not leveling up. But if you do want to level up, if you restart the battle from the last checkpoint you re- uh, reached, you retain all XP... Okay, I don't know that, that point, so it's a little bit like what Capcom did with Dead Rising Two, um, is that the the main yeah. character, so I've forgotten his name, the, not Frank West, the the other guy. Um, you you'd gain your stats as you're going through a game of that, but you needed to save the game in order to save your progress. So if you died, you either had a choice of reloading the save or starting the entire game from the beginning, but with all the stats that you had earned up to that point. So it's like well, that's, uh, so that's, so you you're punished on a narrative coming
1: level.
0: in yeah so you sort of punished on a narrative level for not saving when you should have done but at least you then have an opportunity to fix your mistakes because getting through the beginning of the game would be a lot easier
1: easier yeah
0: so yeah that's that's sort of where we've gone that so you know so that's that's more Final Fantasy VII talk and we're gonna finish that Final Fantasy VII talk by talking about it again. Because we've got a spot call question we want to discuss. The spot question.
1: Well, I kind of can link it to it with a question to you. Okay. Don't you... Well, how do you like the whispers? The
0: whispers are um, an intriguing element of it. Because, again, a bit like Roche, they were not there before. and. Yeah. You know, sort of interesting. The, where we're leading on to this is leading into major spoiler territory, so if you're unsure about this, uh, catch back up at the wrap-up. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Darius mentions the Whispers, because they are a massive narrative change in 7 Remake, and this is where we were talking about, Of you know, there's going to be stuff that's going to that gonna come up on here. But, for a brief spoiler for the ending, you change history, in a sense, because of these goddamn Whispers. Throughout the game, Cloud, and this happened in Final Fantasy VII. Cloud would regain some memories that he's not exactly telling the truth. He's a bit of an unreliable narrator, in a sense, about you know his soldier experience and and how everything was great like that. And oh yeah, I'm a big war guy, but now I'm a bit unhappy with that and just doing dirty jobs for money because that's all I can do to live my life nowadays. And then some things would trigger flashbacks that would make him remember that he's playing a character cloud Walton. you know he's not who he says he is but that was also interspersed with cloud seeing memories of what could be described as the future and him being affected by them um one specific point of that is that cloud is going through Erith through the sector six tunnel because they're about to go past wall market and eris or erith that's just really hard to keep doing that Um, just goes through a tunnel and Cloud gets some sort of weird flashback to then cause him to cry or to shed a tear and he's wondering what the fuck is he doing and Aerith turns around and goes what's up and he just turns his head away like the shy, emotionless, Mm -hmm. personality devoid human he is which is part of his character to be honest he doesn't want to show emotions because he's you know, so pent up in everything that's gone on he's just easier just not to care and so he turns around and you're like why is he crying? How does he know? I mean, tours. I mean, you know, for you know, for Final <laughs> Fantasy VII, the normal game, Aerith, spoilers, dies, and so that's why Cloud would be crying like a little crying JRPG protagonist would be. Except it makes no sense for him to be doing it there. So you're wondering what the fuck is going on. And Darius men- mentioned these whispers, these weird cloaky sand creatures just flying around everyone. Constantly God knows what f- they are. Yeah, God knows what they are. Fucking stuff
1: up. It kind of looks like the mentors from Harry Potter.
0: Yeah. And one of the actual early things of the Whispers getting in the way is Cloud wakes up, and I thought this was just going to be a dream sequence, but it wasn't. It was actually part of the game. And the Whispers cause Jesse to fuck up and... Hurt her leg. I don't know if she breaks it or just like sprains it or does something, but that prevents her going on this raid of the Mako reactor number five. In the first game, she joins you on that trip and then apologizes for like, you know, ID cards not working or something like that. She's not on the trip at all this time, and and, Mm. Biggs Biggs just pops up, and you know, there obviously must be something going on with Biggs as well because Heidegger is an arsehole. (laughs) <laughs> um, so it's just there's a lot of story stuff that we're not mentioning here, but basically the the end of the game pulls what I could call a Star Trek reboot. An event in Final Fantasy VII Remake happens that basically says to you, for the next Final Fantasy VII Remake game for part two or whatever they're going to call it, anything goes. Yeah. Um. It, this sort of answers the question of how could you spend forty hours in Midgar, because now they can go anywhere they want in the world of Final Fantasy VII, and you have no idea what they're going to do with it. It is the biggest subversion of expectation that could have happened in a remake of a game.
1: And well, I'm pretty sure we still will get some sort of like the main story from the original game.
0: Mm. Oh yeah, there'll be there'll be there'll be story beats. That'll still be there, you know. There's still, I still want to see the awkward mini game of Cloud having to march through um, the the fucking the, the, doing the the left, right, left, right march in Junon, just so we can try and get close to whatever they need to be doing. Mm. Some of the some of the post Midgar stuff is not really in my head because Midgar is so so ingrained in there that it just sort of makes the rest like Cosmo Canyon and. And all that just disappears in my head, um, but yeah, the reason I say it's a sort of Star Trek subversion of expectation is because the two thousand and nine reboot, yes, mm-hmm. um, had the big thing that changed the thing is it was like, all oh, right, this is going to be how Kirk gets the Enterprise and how everything happens, and you know his immediate fights with Spock and all that shit. And what they do right in the beginning of the film is that is Romulans come back from a different time and destroy the planet vulcan now the planet vulcan was never destroyed in the original star trek timeline nothing happened it all happened there so basically at that point what they've done to allow them to use story beats and to keep it fresh but still sticking with the narrative of star trek is made a new timeline for themselves and that was interesting i wouldn't say it was i wouldn't say it was necessarily great but it was interesting it sort of allowed them to, you know, it gave them the opportunity to mess with the universe a little bit, but still, you know, without without causing people to go, oh, but actually that means they've just done a plot hole and they've erased the timeline in this.
1: Yeah, or giving comp- something completely different than we expected.
0: Yeah. Um, what they did, they, it didn't really work very well because then they did Star Trek Into Darkness and then they pulled a Benedict Cumbermatch is playing this character, brand new, He is absolutely not Khan, and then 45 minutes into the film they reveal he is indeed Khan it's like, no, that's not the story beat. you should be able to change you could have you could have actually made that where Khan just turned out to be, and you know there was a massive good guy, rather than just this crazy psychopath but, you know, what the big question is, are you trying
1: to say Cloud will go crazy? Will cloud go rogue yeah, well,
0: that'd be interesting. Now, I just, I just as a there's a particular thing that comes up. Cloud has a conversation with Sephiroth later in the game, apparently, and Sephiroth says to him, "These are the seven seconds that you get a second chance with, or something like that." I don't know it myself because I haven't got there, so I don't know the full quote. But that mm-hmm. apparently directly relates again to Aerith's death. It takes Sephiroth exactly seven seconds to jump from his platform. To skewering Gareth like a shish kebab. So he's just taunted Cloud with a, oh, well, there you go, you got another chance for a seven second decision. Thank you dick. But that's that's the sort of like story beats that I sort of like on there. So my question is given that this is very interesting for how Square Enix can now take Final Fantasy VII Remake forward, which, here's the thing, I'll source um, What Culture for this. One of their writers specifically thought that this now could be considered a sequel rather than just a remake because or something right. like mm-hmm. that, yeah. Cause, because of the whole, oh, look, they're getting flash-forwards, which, how can they get flash-forwards if they've never experienced it before, and given the whispers and all that? So the question is... So
1: maybe they're trying to do something like with... Uh, well, there wasn't much of a story in Final Fantasy Dissidia, which brought all the characters from different fantasies just to battle each other. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is... They do to save the universe,
0: mm hmm. Yeah, because of these cycles, weren't they? That happened, and you just happen to be in the 12th slash 13th cycle,
1: yeah. And that's how I see it's something happening with this game. Um, they might be in, they might later on have the choice not to save one life but many, quoting Harry Potter. So,
0: yeah. Save the few to save the many, or the sacrifice few to save the many, all that business.
1: Yes. So that's why we had the flashes of Zach. Yes. And just thinking about that, we might be able to control Cloud and Zack at the same freaking time.
0: Oh, that would be fun. Oh, the heck. That would be fun, because basically Cloud's style is just, Zack's style inherited, isn't it? So
1: exactly, and then what that can mean to the story—that you died. Well, no, I'm alive. It it might like change everything. Yeah, and this is what we mean by and uh, so and, you know, we... Cloud is Cloud because of Zack. Yeah, because of his death. So if Zack would be alive, Cloud. Cloud would not be this person who we who he is. Yeah, he and... would still be probably a soldier first class somewhere doing dirty work for Shinra.
0: Mm-hmm. It's you know it's a thing, and that's why it leads to stuff like characters like Rosh. It's like that's oh, why there that... are still and... soldiers around.
1: And to link to it, if Zack would be alive, then Cloud seriously can go rogue, and then they can have a nice battle each with each other. I know, I'm getting carry over, carry away.
0: Getting goosebumps at the thought of it. So, yeah, so we bring on the the question.
1: Well, Well, think about Sephiroth. Think about Sephiroth. Sephiroth was a good guy. Yeah, and then he he realised... Yes, five years, pure Final Final Fantasy VII, he was a really good guy. Was that that before Crisis or Crisis? Before Crisis. Because in Crisis he changes. He's going the wrong way.
0: Ah... I was trying to remember the other one-winged angels in that because it was a whole bunch yes. of
1: them. So, think about it. If we're changing the ti- timeline right now, what can happen to Cloud? Because we think Cloud as a hero, as back-in-the-day people saw Sephiroth as a hero. Yeah. Would Cloud go the same dark path as Sephiroth? Because they are kind of like identical... It's in many times in the stories, they're referring to. It's not. not, They are like clones of each other or something like that. Mm. So yeah, this is like I'm. Yeah, bringing the second part right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: we've got to complete the first part and just get you know get hit with the ending anyway ourselves. But the question that I was looking at bringing up was, Mm. given what Final Fantasy VII remake has done for good or ill, I mean. People's opinions of what at the end what happened in the ending are mixed. For me, as a narrative person, this is right down my street. Of you know, it's like I actually liked that with Star with Star Trek as well. they like, oh right, hold on, they've just changed the rules. I would love this. So, the question I'm looking at is in terms of a risk standpoint. If there were any going to be any other big remakes, I mean, we look at Resident Evil remake and. You know, and what they did with it. Should developers take more risk and subvert expectations more often, or should they just, you know, not do that and just stick with just remaking the game? I mean, where well, would you feel well, on that?
1: Well, I would say this is a really tough decision and topic to discuss because one way people want old, great memories. Characters, etc., from the games, and once you gave them something different, they they will go crazy and be like, "No, this is not what we want. This is completely different than we expected." Yeah. But then, on the other hand, if you gave them slight changes to the story, like so far, Final Fantasy VII remake, Mm -hmm. it makes sense. It's you're still getting your loved characters, Midgar, uh, the whole setup, yeah, uh, and even you get you getting like so far ninety percent of the original story, mm. yeah, and that ten percent, if they change it, I would say that's for for better, because hey, this is something new, something more to enjoy, yeah. Definitely what they have to do with every single remake, I would say, they have to um, add on top of it to make it more interesting. So if we... You know, what well, I mean, it's like... Uh, let's cut it out. Right, go again. Um, in my opinion, if they are making a remakes of the games... They should not only upgrade the graphics, mm. which this is what tends to happen at the moment in most games
0: yeah no i I get that with you, and this uh for, is...
1: for a very least, what they have to do is add additional parts to it, so develop the characters better, add a little bit more backstory to them, let the players explore their backstories,,
0: mm. yeah. Um, yeah, we said earlier on about sort of the exploration of side characters like Avalanche. You know, not only do you know there's like these other characters and what their motivations are, what they do, where they're from, you know, the background before it. I mean, with Final Fantasy Remake, we've realised in this there is an entire different cell of Avalanche. Yes, and, and that the Avalanche that we know, headed by Barrett, is a splinter cell of this highly militaristic faction that just wants to go in, you know, all-out open war. Um, I mean for me, I think yeah, developers should take more risk with this. I was very intrigued when people were going off as like, oh yeah, the game's great, but the ending sucked. I was like, <laughs> What's on with the ending? The ending is how how we know it. How how is it gonna suck? So then to find out that they they pulled this narrative move really intrigued me because I was like, Oh, they they're they're changing this. They don't want this to just be just a remake of final fantasy VII. they you know they don't want to pull a resident evil 2 and a resident evil 3 and that's not to say that they're bad remakes because they are very very good um you oh, know the yeah. fact that they, the fact that they've decided to to basically kick down the door and go yeah what you remember is not necessary anymore i actually love that it's it, that, i mean that goes more into it's weird it could go more into the fan fiction Sort of idea, except that you remember that you know a lot of the people working on this game were on the original Final Fantasy VII, so maybe they were limited by the hardware. Remember, this is a 23-year-old game that they've remade.
1: Okay, yeah, definitely.
0: And you know that's that's that. And you know there there is you know good points for you know people arguing. Well, they could have just done Resident Evil two and three and just kept the main story beats of the game the same, but just fleshed out the graphics and stuff like that. It's like well. Remember, in in that case, that they, they did change stuff for better for worse. They changed it. You know, the games don't have tank controls anymore. They're closer to Resident Evil 4's sort of over the shoulder exploration because it sort of worked for the hardware. Then you know it made sense. It was using the new Resident Evil 8 engine that they used in Resident Evil Seven, which in itself was such a departure from other games. Yeah, they, they kept the story the same, but they changed enough into it that made you feel, yes, I can get this, and this is a new experience for me, not just the same game with a lick of paint. Because if you want the same game with a lick of paint, you request a remaster, yes. you know, and you do that, and developers can sort of do that, neaten up the blocky graphics and stuff. And take into account on this, Final Fantasy VII has already had a remaster for sort of the PC and the home consoles. Of the you know the later generations and sure they they changed some things they you know made the music more orchestral rather than sort of the chip tune that they had eight bits yeah they they added you know they added little mouth flaps onto the characters you know a little bit um they you know neatened up the graphics in the combat engine um so it made them less uh polyg you know less polygons and more fleshed out characters. Um but yeah, no, that in essence is a remaster. It didn't change the game in any way shape or form. It gave it a new coat of paint. And if that's what you're looking for, go back and play that. <laughs> and this is my harsh this is my harsh Ryan opinion. Um or my not him again opinion again. But yeah, the remake worked for me because and what sold it for me was the fact that they were changing stuff, they were adding new things in. They were going to flesh out the the, the 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 stuff, so yeah, I think Square Enix have took a risk, and so far it's paid off. I guess the ending didn't go the way people were expecting. You know what? I I'm happy to see where it goes next. I mean, if they just if they just do undo every controversial and you know decision that was made in Final Fantasy 7 then okay, that's a bit cowardly, but. If this gives them the ability to sort of mess around with this whole idea of fate and destiny a little bit more, yeah, bring it on.
1: They're like exploring this kind of field, fate and destiny, isn't it? Yeah. I think in every single Final Fantasy you will find it.
0: Yeah. And that's that's sort of how they do it. I mean, that's sort of their thing. I mean in each each Final Fantasy game, like you said, is 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 sort of based on that. Final Fantasy 13 and 15 explored that a lot Mm -hmm. Um, you know sort of more but in different ways 13 was sort of exploring could you change fate you know could you change your destiny and stuff like that in terms of the whole Lassie business and the task that you were given could you do the task and you know still keep everyone alive and all that shit Final Fantasy 15 was you know your fate and you know your destiny can you accept it so you know that's sort Of a little bit more there, but you know, that's that's sort of the interesting discussions that we should probably do more of on a podcast. You know, and the way I see it, we've got time, most of us aren't going anywhere. Sorry, Darius, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think I think on that we will bring that up to the wrap up. So, uh, for those who are reading descriptions, this is the part where you can come back now, All
1: right. I have one sentence to say before I wrap up. Oh, go away. Nintendo Switch can it run Crisis?
0: What? Yep. I I feel sorry for people's Hold on, this is that bloody meme in the Crisis Remaster. What well, it's happening. Bring-
1: it's happening.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a remaster. So
1: I can't, can bring Yeah, up your- I completely I completely forgot about this when we were talking about the news. Yeah, um, Nintendo Switch will have a remastered version of Crisis. It's like, uh,
0: what the fuck? It'll <laughs> only get hot. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, that'll be a remaster. If that becomes Crisis Remake and they change everything there is to know about Crisis. I wouldn't know, really, because I never really played Crisis. Do you think I had a computer that was capable of running it back then? Don't be stupid.
1: Well, it's going to be our remaster with Ray tracing and other goods from today' world. Oh, good. So again, you will need like a few thousand. Yeah, PC allow, to run it.
0: Allow me to borrow the supercomputer from you know from Manchester Met. Oh dear. So uh, yeah, we we're, we're gonna wrap that up. So if you like what you heard or missed because of spoilers, and you want to watch it again somewhere down the line, like share subscribe you know follow the stuff read all the stuff in the description from wherever you're listening to this and uh yeah until next time thank you darius
1: thank you ryan and thank you everyone who was listening
0: indeed so until next week please for god's sake stay at home take care of yourselves and we will see you then bye
1: bye bye